This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 116. Your beliefs or your samskaras and vasanas. Have you ever caught yourself reacting in a way that felt totally automatic? And ever wondered where that reaction came from? Today I sat down with Bonnie Wallace to talk about the yoga philosophy concept of samskara, or it translates to psychological imprints, to answer this question. Bonnie is a certified Ayurvedic health counselor, Ayurvedic yoga specialist. She's an IYT 500, passionate about philosophy. She's a holistic chef and herbalist. As a graduate from the largest Ayurvedic college in the Western world, Bonnie has over 1,300 hours of education with the California College of Ayurveda and the Himalayan Institute. Her specialty is working with the overachiever, you know, the one who does it all, but needs help with their gut health, burnout, depression, and anxiety. As you listen to today's episode, take a screenshot of the episode and share one of your takeaways with us on Instagram, tagging at on and off your mat podcast. I will, of course, be share you, but the idea is that everybody can see your takeaways and we can go deeper into the content of each episode as we learn together as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode with Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Erica. How are you? I'm so well. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Me too. So for listeners that don't know you, can you start by giving us a little intro? Tell us about yourself and your yoga journey. Yeah. So I started my yoga journey when I was um, about 16. So it's been about 14 years. Um, it quickly, you know, I think for a lot of people, you have the experience of a physical yoga practice turning into something a little bit more deep, something a little bit more spiritual, you could say. And, and that led me to get my, my first, um, yoga teacher certification when I was, um, 21. And from there I connected with my teacher um, who's a Tantra Katha yoga teacher. And she was really the one that encouraged me to explore Ayurveda. And I knew that Ayurveda had something to do with food. And so <laughs> I was, I was all on board with that. I was like, yes, I will go study food. Um, and then quickly found out that it's, it is about food, but it's, so much, more. so much more as well. Um, and yeah, I, I would say, so from there, I, I went on to become an Ayurvedic health counselor an Ayurvedic yoga specialist and a holistic chef. Um, and I think the thing, one of the main pieces that's like kept me so engaged and enthralled with these sciences is there there's profound systems for healing um not just the physical body but the emotional the mental the spiritual the energetic body um i i have my own history with anxiety depression trauma um and these sciences and these systems have been just so liberating and so, um, 
you know, really given me a second chance, you could say. And so I definitely like to take that as part of my purpose with sharing it with others who, who also need some help remembering that they are not their depression. They're not their anxiety. They're not, you know, all of the things that we accumulate with Mm -hmm. our life. Yeah, those are good reminders because we get associated really easily with this is who I am and not this is what I'm experiencing right now. Yes. Yeah. And it's just an identity. It's like, well, this is just my fate. And it's um, so disempowering. Yeah, it is. It's you're really giving away your power and just kind of like, well, this is just what's going to happen. It doesn't matter what I do. So I might as well do nothing. And like, oh, but there's, there's so much, there's so much that, that we can do and that, that's, that is available to us when, when we take responsibility for our, our experience, not our circumstances, but our experience. Mm -hmm, And mm yeah. And I think that segues nicely into what we wanted to talk about today, because that experience and the beliefs we have about that experience and the thoughts we have around what's going on will affect that outcome and the results that we will get. We connected um, recently online and we were talking about beliefs. That was one of the things. And then we kind of went a little bit down this hole of this rabbit hole of yogic philosophy. And particularly, we talked about samskara and vastanas. So can you Tell us a little bit what they are. Can you introduce those philosophy terms for our listeners and where we can find them and how does that relate to what we're doing today? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So samskaras and vasanas, they, where to start? Okay, so, (laughs) (laughs) so they, so yoga philosophy in general is one of the six classical systems of philosophy of Indian philosophy. So within yogic philosophy and then Sankhya philosophy, the terms Sankhya philosophy is one of the other six, um, uh, one of the other six philosophies. And within those two, they, they tend to get interwoven quite a bit, mm-hmm. Sankhya and yoga philosophy. And within those two, you'll find the references to samskaras and vasanas. And then more specifically, when you funnel down, um, my my experience of the first reference, they very well could have been references before the Yoga Sutras, but the Yoga Sutras, um, written around 200 BC by Patanjali. So this was... um, one of the first texts that distilled all of the essence. So it took the essence of the entirety of yoga philosophy um, and yoga practices and distilled it into these four texts. So the yoga sutras, I would say one of the first references for samskaras and vasanas. what do they mean? So samskaras are impressions that are made kind of like grooves in our brain and our memories that eventually turn into habits 
and personality traits. Um, Vasanas are essentially bigger samskaras that color our, our entire perception and experience of the world. So, and we can have both positive and negative vasanas and samskaras, um, but in, you know, for, in the beginning, we'll talk about kind of how, how are our vasanas and our samskaras influence us negatively or shape kind of our beliefs. So they, they're responsible for pretty much the fundamentals of our personalities. So are we an introvert? Are we an extrovert? Um, are we inclined to like nature or arts and crafts or history or math? So all of those kind of basic things are influenced by our samskaras. And every time we repeat an action, so whether that's a thought verbally um, a physical action, it reinforces this, this impression and eventually can lead to an, an identification or an identity and further down the road to a vasana where we don't actually see things as they are. We see things as we are or as the vasanas are. So, um, they, so they can become this really, filter for everything. Yeah. Yeah. They, they end up, um, determining our, our beliefs of, of what is right, what is wrong, our likes, our dislikes, um, and really kind of determine our, our experience of life in that way. Um, and it can be quite hard to move away from them because most of us, most of the population, it's safe to say, we function at, at a level of, um, with a pretty disturbed or distracted mind. Mm-hmm. And so being able to get the mind quiet enough that we can actually identify a samskara or a vasana um, can be quite the process, but that is also why we have yoga and yoga practices to help us do that and start to discern like, is this habit, is this belief, is this, um, this way of operating essentially like- Yeah, this programming, this conditioning. (laughs) Yeah, like is this, is this like the, the truth, is this the, the, the ultimate truth, you know, or, or is this something that's, that's been conditioned because it's something that I've repeated again and again for whatever reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you mentioned like a, in the beginning that it could come from memory or other things. What are the kind of some scar we can encounter or start to observe in ourselves? So... Like a good example is kind of like the glass half empty or half full. It's like, um, 
are, are we most likely going to view like when, when we, um, when we hear some news, are we most likely to think something negative about it? Or are we like, Oh, okay. Like we're, we're hopeful, you know? And, and so this can come down again to like personality, like some people just a little bit more optimistic. They don't right away go into pessimism or being mm-hmm. critical or skeptical. So, so that, that you could relate to samskara that it's been a habit of yours since, you know, of a certain age or a certain event to look for problems. To focus on. Yeah. Yeah. That is that, um, is that too broad? So one type is what you focus on. One type is, is it separate to say like memories you have? Or is that kind of all together for you? Are the memories just, you know, a, the past repetition? So are, are you asking if memories are samskaras? Mm-hmm. Mm. Are memories samskaras? Mm. Not necessarily. It's more so how, how we respond or behave based on those memories. So the samskaras come about based on a repeated action. So, and whether that action is a repeated thought process, a repeated verbal thing mm-hmm. or, repeat, or repeated action. So, so we can have a memory of, um, let's, let's think of a memory Um, let's say we have trauma in the past and we have that memory and then we face similar situation or similar people with a bias or a filter or an expectation of how things are going to go because of that impression. Yeah. So, right. So, so that memory that, and how, and how we learned to survive that experience in the first place um, definitely influences the present and and how we move into, into the future with that. Um, so yeah, if if a similar situation comes up, we are definitely very likely to respond the same way that we did in the past, even if it's not warranted. So it's, it's partially, you know, survival, right. But it's also like, well, this is what happened last time. One plus one equals two. But at a certain point, like we, we kind of end up on autopilot and we just start to kind of like, you know, kind of float through life with, with Mm -hmm. these beliefs um, that this is just how the world works. This is how I work. This is how people work. And so when that situation or a similar situation situation arises, say um, a potential for a new relationship comes up and you have X, Y, and Z experience with, with <laughs> relationships that make you think and believe and act certain ways towards relationships, that response is so it's just automatic unless we consciously 
pause and, and choose to even consider another truth or another option. So yes, a long, <laughs> a long <laughs> answer. The memories yes. shape our samskaras yeah. and our vasanas. I just thought it was an interesting nuance to think about because in that case, it might not be something that's actually been repetitive a lot and that has a groove, but because of what happened, the impression is, was big enough to create its own groove without the repetition of it necessarily. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There can be, there can be an event, you know, offhand, single hand event. It's significant enough that you've got this new pathway in your brain yeah. now. And this, yeah. now, now this happens. <laughs> like, now this is a thought process that you have. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. And then you talked the about, more, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the more, the more then you go down that new pathway, the more ingrained it gets. Mm-hmm. You talked about on how if we are not conscious of it, we're living on that autopilot and there's probably unwanting results that we get from these patterning. How does it affect our life? What, what does that look like to be on autopilot? To, what are those unwanted results? What's, why should we even want to look into our samskaras? <laughs> oh, man, there's so much to say about that. Um, well, for one thing, so when we're on autopilot, we're kind of, again, take, taking the role of we're not taking responsibility for our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just kind of like, you know, going with the wind. It's like whatever happens to us is what's going to happen. Um, but then what often ends up happening is the same thing over and over again. We keep experiencing the same Yes. Um, like an experience that we don't want to experience. We keep getting it again and again. We keep, um, you know, trying to learn the same lesson again and again. And we get frustrated. It's like, why does this keep happening? And for one, the universe or whatever you want to call it, will keep giving you the opportunity <laughs> to, to learn that <laughs> lesson until, until you do, until you do something different. And that different thing can be starting to shift out of autopilot. And so habits themselves are going unconscious. So we'll, we'll say like our, our negative habits Um, when we are in a habit of doing something, um, we're usually checking out in some way, like we're, we're tapping out, we're, we're on autopilot. Yeah. For positive habits, it's great. You don't have to think about it. It's easy. It's automatic. When it comes to negative habits, it's a bit more of a challenge because they come without you noticing that you're doing it. Right. And, and it's those moments where we're unconscious, we're checking out, we're tapping out. Um, it's those moments that they actually have so much power and we can use those moments um, because there's a reason why we're checking out. There's a reason why that habit has fallen into that particular time of day, that particular time of night, that particular season, whatever. 
there's a reason why that's happening. And it's usually because we're trying to avoid some sort of discomfort. And, (laughs) and it's not that, you know, distraction in and of itself is not a terrible thing, you know, but when it becomes the habit, when it becomes the norm, um, that's when we start to see some issues start to arise. So we have an opportunity with our, our habits, our negative habits, when we go unconscious to consider if we're interested in reducing our suffering. So pain is inevitable, right? But suffering is when we get stuck in the pain and we dwell, we perpetuate. It just is just a cycle. It's an identity. So if we're interested in suffering less than taking those moments of unconsciousness and just starting to consider, like looking behind the curtain, like what am I avoiding? What, what is uncomfortable in this moment? Um, And, you know, maybe it's something really significant. Maybe it's something that's just like, I don't know, I've just done this for 20 years, but I don't actually have any attachment to it. I just do it because that's what I've done. But instead of doing this thing, I could actually insert some sort of mindfulness or um, some sort of intention and kind of it still serves start- a purpose. Like even if you don't know why you're doing it, there's a reason why you started to do it and you continue to repeat. It does something positive. It might also have a negative impact in other areas of your of your life, but yeah. in a way it's allowing you at the minimum to buffer in that moment, right? To be like, okay, I need to like unplug, I need to distract myself as like a coping mechanism for your stress, for whatever you're dealing with. So at the right. minimum, there's that. There's always a reason why we do things. It's not random. Right. <laughs> Right. Right. It's like, yeah, there's, even if it seems mundane, like, yeah, there's, there is a reason and, and there's something there's, there's an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's that opportunity? Can we change our, our belief system or some scars? Can we change our programming? Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I know. What if you would have said no? Yeah. We're done. Have a good day, guys. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. <laughs> um, no, we can. We can. That's, that's, I mean, what, again, the Yoga Sutras um, is one of the texts that really outlines how exactly to do that. Um, I would say that in that context, like that's, it's, it's like a, over a lifetime kind of thing. Like we start to unlearn these patterns, these habits, um, and develop new ones through, you know, various yogic, yogic practices. There are, um, there are also like in a course that I do, there's systematic, you know, programs for like acute situations, that are like, these are like your steps for X, Y, and Z in order to create new vasanas, new samskaras, and to lessen the control that your negative vasanas and samskaras have. Um, But one of of the like simplest and subtlest ways of changing 
our samskaras and our vasanas is to connect our mind with our breath. And I know like in the yoga world, we hear that all the time, right? Like connect the mind with the breath. Like there's something there. There's something there about the breath. (laughs) And that could be a whole other, you know, podcast, but (laughs) essentially when the more the mind experiences that, that sweetness of being paired with the breath. So the more the mind experiences the subtleties of prana, our life force, and the experience of prana, the sweetness, the inherent calm of prana, it starts to change the mind's um, cravings for Mm. distraction and for... um, for excess movement. So the more we connect the mind with the breath, the more sensitive and attuned we are to the breath, to our prana, the more it starts to change um, our cravings. It can start to change some of our thought patterns, some of our behaviors, and we become less, less entwined with fear anxiety, anger, all of the things that keep the mind spinning, that keep us going down these pathways of, you know, learned ways of thinking and behaving. So it's, it's a simple and it's a subtle um, step, Mm -hmm. but, and it's all, but it's also probably one of the hardest because it's so (laughs) subtle and with our overstimulated population slowing down and getting quiet is very difficult and can also be very scary and frustrating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but i what what i would say to that is that it's not supposed to be easy so you're not (laughs) doing it wrong um when when you when it feels difficult um you're not doing it wrong and one one of my teachers um just had this beautiful description i think it might actually come originally from uh, pema children children mm-hmm. i don't know how to pronounce her last name um but it's when you notice your mind is moving is you're trying to sit and just observe your breath. And when you notice your mind is moving, instead of getting angry or upset and like swatting your mind back into line to observe your breath and developing this this guilt-based pattern with observation, that you just very, it's like you imagine that the mind is like um, a soap bubble. And when you notice it moving, you take a little feather and just gently, gently guide it back. And so your approach to mindfulness practices can really determine your experience. 
Mm-hmm. So the presence that we have when we focus on, you know, the link between our mind and our breath, when we observe the breath, that mindfulness that's being created is allowing us to have better awareness of what's going on, not only in our breath and our breath as a cue for when we are in our lives and not in this moment of, you know, a, you know, watching fully, but also just learning I think as we observe the breath and we create space to watch ourselves more, we can start to see the thoughts as they come in, the pattern as they unfold. Be like, wow, I just did this thing again. I just did this A, B, C, yeah. you know, connection that I've noticed last time, or I just went there really quick or really automatic. Or, and I think we need that space because we're so distracted, because we're bombarded from all our senses all the time. It's hard to see, to hear, to watch ourselves as fully as we need if we want to start to unlearn and relearn yeah. <laughs> new patterns. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the that that slowing down that comes with observing the breath. That I mean, yeah, that's that's an opportunity into really examining what what is a habit? What is autopilot? Um, what is true and what, and what, and what of these, these patterns, these thoughts feels like something that I might be able to, or might be willing to, to tweak or work mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. in. And in coming at it from also coming at it, coming at it from that image of the feather and the bubble is that you're not, you know, guilting yourself into or shaming yourself into like, I can't believe that I did this again, but in a very gentle, loving, you know, tender way to bring yourself back to let's look at this. Like, let's be curious about this. How is this impacting my life? Do I want a different result? Do I want to experience something different? Right. And what can I do to get there? What are, those steps, like once we like, we are aware, we have an idea of like, okay, there's this one thing, this groove is really deep. I want to start to work on that. How do we start to unlearn once we have, we have observed what's going on? So this is, it's definitely, it's a long process. (laughs) It's no magic pill here, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's usually not something it's, I, I think a good way to look at it, at it is, you know, it's like an onion, like the ogre. <laughs> it's like you, the more there's many layers of, to our samskaras, to our beliefs that are hindering us in some way. And so the more we, we take steps to understand them we get a little deeper, a little deeper to the core. And, and that, and that takes some time. Um, one of, one of the things that you can do just to start to identify these samskaras is to make a list of both, um, positive and negative themes in your life. So these are things that, have been reoccurring, you know, pretty much your whole life. And this can be in relationship to, to people, to relationships, to career, to a way of being, to, um, emotions, Mm -hmm. physical health, 
It can be around anything. So making that list, you know, what, what is the universe trying to, what lesson does the universe really want you to learn? Um, and making a list. And then from there, this is, this is more broad, but the two, the two key concepts in starting to undo our samskaras and rewrite new samskaras um, are abhyasa and vairagya. So abhyasa, the ardent effort to maintain a peaceful inward flow of the mind. And then vairagya, non-attachment or cultivating a mind that is free from our vasanas. And how do we do that? So abhyasa, one of the best ways to practice abhyasa, maintaining that effort on the path, on your path, on your healing journey, is consistency, is consistency Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. your practices, whatever they are. So I I don't want to say that there are, well, so there, there are, there are like specific steps you can take. Like I was saying, like in, in the course that I offer, um, to, to look at like acute situations, like, okay, this is how we're going to dissect these samskaras. But when it comes to like in general practices that you can do, there's, there's probably many different things that will work. So if you have a practice, if you have um, a spiritual practice, if you have a mindfulness practice, if you have... Um, In this case, a journaling practice might be really yes. useful. Yep, a journaling practice, um, you know, like morning pages, um whatever tools are in your tool basket, using them and using them diligently and really making an effort to, to keep your, your mind focused on, on these tools that are going to help you move further along the path and understanding these samskaras and where they're coming from. Um, And then also, Vairagya, this non-attachment concept, um, because abhyasa practice alone with just um, just maintaining this effort, this can end up, um, we, we then get attached to the outcome. Mm-hmm. So, so we're staying diligent on our path, but we but we're free from the anxieties of, of what we're expecting out of that yeah totally so first we id them we use awareness and clarity we make a list uh we use effort you know we show up with consistency in our practice and with the different practices that serve us according to what it is we want to change like it's hard to say exactly what to do depending on what's the samskara you're actually working on and through that consistent practice we practice also non-attachment and just show up yeah is that a, yeah, I mean, a good summary of what you were saying <laughs> yeah and and I have I have a list um for 
your listeners that will help help in that process of identifying the samskaras, how to get closer to them, how to understand them. Um, and, but I mean, journaling, morning pages is on there, um, as well as this, this list making process. Um, I, I really like yoga nidra, specifically yoga nidra recordings that, um, that are planting seeds in your subconscious. So there's a lot of different yoga nidras out there, but um, finding ones that deliberately are planting seeds in the subconscious that start to rewrite some of that, those beliefs, Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that can be a really powerful tool. Yeah, I like the image. We're planting new seeds, and <laughs> yeah. you repeat that enough, they will grow into yeah. new patterns. Yeah, beautiful. What? Um, so, yoga nidra is one of your practice for yourself. What are the tools, or is there anything else in your own practice that is a go-to that you like to do to help yourself on this on this journey? So, I, I know I've already referenced my course quite a bit, but that's because I use it myself a lot and mm-hmm. it's so so this is a process um i call it the language of the soul and it's based in vedic philosophy yogic philosophy and this process helps us so it's helping us identify the samskaras it's helping us also identify our vikalpas vikalpas are something that's taking us away from what we're supposed to be doing. Mm. So it's helping us identify samskaras, vikalpas, and it's largely a creative writing course. It's very creatively engaging. There's a lot of writing. There's a lot of introspection. There's a lot of meditations that help us bypass the logical thinking mind and access the heart, access the soul, Mm. and come up with, the antidote for these beliefs in written form. And then we are taking those antidotes and placing it in the subconscious through practices like yoga nidra, through um, those habits where we go unconscious, we're doing a trade with the universe saying, (laughs) I'm going to give up this, this moment of unconsciousness and insert this very, um, potent and deliberate intention that is my antidote um, and that's going to help me grow and show up fuller in life. Um, that's a process that I do with myself in various phases of my life. Um, so whenever I, I notice a new theme, maybe it's not a new theme, maybe it's something it's just been here, um, I will revisit that process and come up with um, the antidote language for whatever I'm experiencing and then start to work with it largely in yoga nidra. Amazing. So you mentioned something that you uh, were going to share with your listeners. We'll put that, that little worksheet in the show notes. And then there's this course, if people want to get onto that with you, where can they find you? Where can they say hello? Where can they join you in this process? So I'm, you can find me on Instagram. That's mostly where I am. Um, I'm 
I'm starting a TikTok, but that's a whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, a whole other beast. So Instagram, um, bonnie.jean, that's G-E-N-E on Instagram. And then my website, which is unityayurvedayoga.com. That's kind of a mouthful. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. People can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably easier. Perfect. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave this conversation with, what would that be? I so strongly urge you and support you and encourage you to, to find ways to become more conscious. Mm. Um, so, I mean, our, our world is a very intense place to live and going unconscious distracting ourselves is very appealing and sometimes it's necessary, but that, that checking out can end up hurting us and therefore hindering how we show up in the world, how we show up for others, how we show up for our Dharma, our purpose. And if we're not fulfilling our Dharma, then whereas there's so much that we're missing out on and and I want Mm -hmm. everyone to to experience the fullness that that's out there so any little thing that helps you become a little bit more conscious it might be uncomfortable yeah (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's worth it yeah Mm -hmm. amazing thank you so much for your time today thank you for joining me Thank you so much for having me, Erica. It was great being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. It really helps other people find it. Come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. Screenshot you listening to this episode with your takeaways. And you can also check out our membership platform, become a premium member, get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library if you upgrade. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guest of today, Bonnie Wallace, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. Now, before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members, of course. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next time.